Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Maureen in New Zealand, good morning to you. It is uh, coming up 9.03 as we uh, head towards uh, midday. The next three hours uh, will consist of a chat with uh, Luke Jacobson, of course, uh, current All Black and Chiefs number eight, or is he number six? We'll find out from Luke uh, very shortly. Uh, Daryl Mitchell, we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, but uh, to be fair, there's a a bit changed in the life of Daryl Mitchell since then. Uh, So we'll catch up with him again as he prepares for this test match coming up on Thursday uh, against South Africa. Mackenzie Barry, a Wellington Phoenix women's defender. How cool was this going to be? I uh, mean, they had their first win of the weekend. Just not a win. They won 3-0. That is conclusive. This is a really good story. Uh, looking forward to talking to Mackenzie. Uh, around about uh, 10 o'clock, just after 10, Mark Hinton and Kimberly Downs will be on the panel this morning. Uh, plenty to talk about, uh, including, uh, of course, Super Bowl. And to get the real insight on Super Bowl, we're going to speak to MJ Hurley just after 11 o'clock now. MJ Hurley, we've had him on the show before, but particularly appropriate we speak to him. Why? Because he works for Sports Illustrated and a specialist subject is the LA Rams. So we'll talk to uh, MJ Hurley after that. Now, John Day and I have got a Mount Rushmore. We'll give you details of that very shortly, and we'd love for you to participate in it as well. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, I have been prone to the odd commentator's curse over the years, but because I'm here and they're there, I can't be found guilty today, surely. They are the Winter Olympics team. There is Beijing. Our Zoe, our wonderful Zoe, is a ski boot in to be on the podium again today. The girl was born to snowboard. The girl was born to fly. It's a beautiful thing. And she possesses that one commodity in sport, life really, that sets the great apart from the good. She's got time. Zoe has time. The judges see it. The keen eye can see it. She makes what seems difficult for so many seem so easy for her. There is, though, a Japanese hunting pack chasing her down, snapping at her heels. The grand finale will be some viewing. But if I could be able to do so, I'd be backing her in. 2.30pm this afternoon. Mark your card in for that. And speaking of being on the pedestal, on the podium... How about those LA Rams snatching the Super Bowl in the last stanza to hoist the Vince Lombardi trophy on their home patch? Not the greatest ever game of football on the eye, but uh, they care not in Los Angeles. They fluked playing at home and they didn't disappoint. In the end, in their $7.5 billion stadium, what a show. Snoop Dogg was good. Dr. Dre, a touch better. Kendrick Lamar and Mary J. Bly, bit of the bill. And Eminem, as usual, rebellious. And a touch weird. But the best show was Cooper Cup of the LA Rams. NFL Offensive Player of the Year and MVP Super Bowl Player of the Year also. How good was he when it mattered? The last drive as good and effective as a Zoe run. Smooth, precise, exact and perfectly timed. Roll on the Sabo.
close, isn't it? You can almost smell it. The Super Rugby season is very, very close. Just five days away from it kicking off and the opening game here in New Zealand will be between the Chiefs and the Highlanders at Wakatipu Rugby Club in Queenstown. The teams have been living in their bubbles in the central Otago town and joining us from the Chiefs camp this morning uh, is Luke Jacobson and uh, John Day. Spend a little time with them earlier this morning. Just five days out now from the Super Rugby season kicking off. The opening game here in New Zealand will be between the Chiefs and the Highlanders at Wakatipu Rugby Club. Uh, the teams have been living in their bubbles in the central Otago town. Joining us from the Chiefs camp this morning, All Blacks lose forward Luke Jacobson. Luke, doing it tough yeah, in Queenstown, mate. Um, I've seen some of the views from your hotel. Jeez, you, you really are <laughs> you're doing it tough, you guys. Yeah, good day. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, no, we've actually managed to score a pretty nice hotel here at the QT. We've got a little bit of a lookout over the lake, so wake up in the morning, open up the curtains, and uh, she's she's all looking pretty good. We've uh, no, we've done all right. Yeah, absolutely. So when you get the news a few weeks ago that oh, you've all got to move to Queenstown, what was your kind of initial reaction? Um. It was uh, initial, initially it was a little bit um, like oh, could be a little bit niggly to be away from home again, and um, you know like camp it can be quite hard to get away from rugby. But then as it sort of started to roll out, it was like, oh hold on, we're going down to Queenstown. It's going to be it's, it's obviously pretty warm here still. It's um, a good golf courses here for our off days, and uh, it's also a good good chance to kick off the season with. Um, uh, all, all the All Blacks coming back in and then the pre-season boys that have been here grinding it out it'll be a good chance for us to we'll, uh, get a bit of connections going on um, obviously living together and, and, it, and it has kicked off exactly that way it's been, it's been bloody awesome Yeah I heard from the players the first question was is are we going to be able to play golf so you have been able to, to get out there you Chiefs boys enjoy uh, swinging the clubs don't you? Yeah yeah. there's um, I, I think yeah, there's quite a few of us maybe, at least 12 maybe yeah, four, four, sixteen. Um, but yeah, we have been able to get, get out. We've been you know, running a bit of a muck and you know, on some good courses. Played Jack's Floyd and played uh, Volbrook, so um, we're pretty lucky. I think we've seen a few other teams out as well um, playing golf, so they'll obviously get the same idea. Yeah, it's not a big town, Queenstown. So do you bump into the other teams? I mean, there's five other teams there. So do you quite often just bump into each other? Yeah, we've actually got the hurricane staying literally just ten metres down from like down from us in front of the QT. Um and yeah, all the other boys are sort of dead. I hope the Highlanders are just up the road and see them around a bit, but um I would we weirdly enough we have to still have to keep uh, distance from them even though <laughs> we'll be playing against them uh come the weekend. But uh, um yeah, I'll see see everybody around a little bit. Yeah, nice. And you've had a couple of pre season games under your belt, or the Chiefs have at least, um, you know, thrash minor Pacifica and had a couple of good halves against the Highlanders and the Blues. So things going pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I can um, preaching the games in early. Well, there's a good um, bunch of lads putting their hands up for selection. I'll um, it'll be interesting to see. Well, we will get to see it later. You guys probably get to see it a little bit later. Um, what, what what the team selection is and what combinations they go with. But I think. Um, no, the depth of the squad's looking really good. Um, everybody was, yeah, there's some, some good performances, and it was um, good to see yeah, a few few wins in the, in the preseason. But we all know if the preseason wins mean nothing, we'll be coming out ready to try and get our first one this weekend. 
I thought it was if you lost your preseason games, they mean nothing. But if you won them, then they mean everything, and it means you guys are the team to beat. Ah, <laughs> ah, uh, uh, however you want to look at it, but um, I won't be reading too much into it. That's still, sure. yeah, fair enough. Um, Clayton McMillan back as head coach, and Warren Gatland as the director of rugby. Uh, just how is that kind of working out as players? Is Gat still quite hands on at trainings, or does he leave it up to Clayton? Yeah, well, um, I guess. Yeah, Clayton's like the, the top dog, um, as, he, as he was last year, but Gats is coming in and um, he puts his little two cents in here and there and um, I guess he's a bit more of a overseeing role um, and I think it's been working pretty good so far. I think um, Gats probably does a bit more work behind the scenes and development of, of the coaches. Um, but um, no, it's, it's been pretty good and I think we've got some, some great experience here as the coaches and um, the dynamic of them is working is pretty well at the moment. Yeah, it seemed to work really well. Last season, you guys are on the up and up, and you got Brody back this year. Not bad, not a bad addition to the pack? Yeah, you got the big guys back. Um, yeah, he's been good coming in. Obviously, he's a very experienced player who um, obviously has sort of a um, knows what's going on around the lineouts, and um, he's obviously won when he was back there. It was um, one of the better players week in, week out as well. So um, now it'll be wicked to have him back in the squad. And um, he's got some uh, good good lock pairings, putting their hands up in the, in the pre-seasons. And obviously you've got your Poots and your um, uh, Josh, who were away with ABs last year as well. So it'll be interesting to see who you part of them. Yeah, absolutely. And always strong in the loose forwards, the Chiefs. So yourself, Sammy Kane, Peter Gus, um, pretty settled look to the loose forwards. Um, yeah, yeah, loose force or something. Um, yeah, and there's other boys, um, Callum Beauchere and Sam Tennessee now, and um, uh, there's a couple of boys injured, but um, yeah, there's a decent amount of depth there as well, so um, it's interesting to see what they do there. Yeah. Um, how did you rate your 2021 season? Obviously, you know, um, you started you know, playing for the Chiefs in 2018. Uh, 2019 World Cup, we know what happened there with the All Blacks, and it looked like last year, what, you played 10 tests for the AB, so great to get some regular kind of rugby under your belt last year. Yeah, yeah, no, it was awesome. I was good to get back into the All Blacks setup and um, work my way into some games as well. It would have been, yeah, I mean, obviously, hadn't been in there since 2019, missed out on 2020, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, as any New Zealand rugby players, it's where you want to be, and um, I learned, learned a lot being back in there. It's made me pretty hungry to um, work on a few things this year and uh, chance my armour again uh, this year and try and maybe work my way up the ranks into a starting spot. But um, obviously, that's only done by performance out on the field. So um, I'll be pretty, yeah, pretty hungry. Thinking, thinking a little bit about that, but obviously, forefront the about the chief. Um, but it's a little carrot at the end. Hopefully that I can go John Graham. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of work-ons did the ABs give you at the end of last year, heading into this year? Um, probably mainly just around defence and getting back to being, I guess, more of a enforcer there. Um, it's probably somewhere back in 2019 that I was, I was going to ride at, but maybe slipped off a little bit. Um, 2020-2021, so... Um, I'll be working away at my, my tackle quite a bit and trying to um, bring as much edge to that sort of the game as I can. 
Oh yeah, we love an enforcer in the Lucy's, especially in that six jersey kind of Kano and Collins sort of laid the mark there. Is that the jersey you're looking at this year? Um, you can play six and eight, but you, you always get this question, don't you? So, which one do you do you prefer, or is it just whatever you picked in, and they're both quite similar for you, or how do you see it? Uh, are we talking teeth? Yeah, or? yeah, or and ABs, or are they different? Uh, well. Obviously, you've probably got Artie who's locked down the eight jersey pretty well there. Um, yeah. Maybe a little more of an opportunity for six, so probably there. Um, might be looking to try and push them to six a little bit more. But um, for Chiefs' side of things, I've, I really enjoyed playing eight last year, and I'd, I'd love to be able to um, continue growing my skills here at the back of the scrum. And I feel like you just end up being a little more involved at eight in the middle of the park and um, then attacking plays and that as well. So. Um, would be pretty keen to play out here, but um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, nice. Um, you talk about attacking plays in the Chiefs. No DMAC. So have you basically had to tear up your attacking book from last year and start afresh this year? <laughs> no, no. It was, uh, uh, yeah, obviously DMAC brings his uh, awesome flair that he brings to attack and uh, probably not many other players can bring what he brings. But, um, I mean, we still run fairly similar structures and but obviously you just don't have the individual brilliance of, of Damien but we've got um got some good players like Brennan and Joshuani and Kevin Traff who fill into that position as well. Um which maybe can run their style of play in the same structure. Yeah, how's Josh fitting in and how classic is it he gets to take on the Highlanders first up? How's he been this week? Yeah he's been good eh? he's um Fitted in pretty pretty well, and he's trying to add his two cents and a little bit different way of thinking. Um, so it's been good, and um, he's been working away well with Rog, the tech coach, and um, Brennan and a few other boys just trying to keep things working smoothly. Yeah, that Chiefs kind of flair you guys play with um, it seems like it'd suit his style of play really well. Yeah, yep, yeah. Josh is a very skillful player. And, Things are yeah, different, different style of play again. So um, no, I think it will work well, and be keen to see him out there. Yeah, absolutely. And what a day game at Wakatipu Rugby Club. So four thirty-five kickoff. What's the ground like? Is it your classic club rugby ground, or is it a bit better than that? Uh, it's not actually too bad. Eh? We played our preseason there on on Saturday, um, and no, it's pretty good. Eh? It's just, uh, no, it's, 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 I'd say it's better than the club rugby ground. It's probably obviously not quite um, used, used in the stadium ground, but uh, no, I think we'll do, do the trick, no, no drama. Yeah, and how do you get to the game? At least you don't have to do a four-hour bus ride to Dunedin this weekend. Yeah, good. Um, just, yeah. yeah, just down on down, five minutes down, we'll be there and ready to rip in. Excellent. And just finally, Luke, uh, we're actually, we do a Mount Rushmore every Tuesday on Smithy's show where we name our top four and this week, uh, we're doing our ch- top four Chiefs. So I'm not going to get you to name all four, um, but who would be your favourite Chief of all time when you look back at the history of the, of the team? Um, it doesn't probably, have to be, uh, have to be, have to be Liam Messam. Yeah, yeah. He is Mr. Yep. Mana, isn't he? Liam Messam. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, done a lot of great things for the Chiefs. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, hopefully you do some great things for the Chiefs and you can add another title to the collection. Luke, thanks for, so much for your time this morning. All good. Thank you very much for having me.
Luke Jacobson there, of course, uh, current All Black. Uh, and uh, Chiefs uh, ready to get stuck into it too, one of the uh, returning All Blacks. And uh, it looks pretty certain, um, you know, that, that a bulk of them will be playing too. And when you put Retallick back into that lineup, um, yep, uh, they have uh, got something special. But it will be unusual to see uh, a Chiefs team run out without uh, Damien McKenzie. Now then, that uh, John uh, hinted as to what uh, we were talking about today in terms of texting in, and that was uh, your most influential Chief over the years. We're going to do our top four of the Chiefs. We're going to go around the franchises in the next few weeks, but today's Mount Rushmore is on the Chiefs, and that is uh, your top four most influential Chiefs in the history of that franchise. So I've picked my four already. Um, I think there's one that most people will put in, but there, there's some with a, a bit of a point of difference as well. So look forward to that on double eight double three, double eight double three. You can text those in. Um, if you're a real Chiefs fan, I suppose you could ring up and tell us in person. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. We'd enjoy that as well. Uh, after uh, the break, we're going to be talking to Daryl Mitchell. That's after nine thirty. We'll be back shortly. This on ECNZ. 9.24 here on SENZ in the mornings, and uh, yeah, Kiwis in action today. Zoe sadowski Sinnott in the Big Air Snowboarding Final, uh, that's at 2.30. Uh, 4pm, Alice Robinson, the Downhill Skiing Final, 5.30, Finn Billis and Ben Barclay in the Skiing Slope Style Qualification as well. So uh, we've asked for your uh, text this morning on your uh, probably the most influential Chiefs of all time, uh, Luke Jacobson uh, came in and said quite clearly he was in the Liam Messam camp. Uh, I think a lot of people will be in the Liam Messam camp because he played 181 games. I think 181, yeah, for the Chiefs. Uh, so uh, I think he'd be in most people's uh, top four. But uh, what about in your thinking? Uh, here's uh, a couple that have come in uh, from Craig, of course. Craig's uh, a regular into these things. Stephen Donald, the beaver. The beaver got in there. Uh, Ian Jones, John O'Gibbs, and Liam Messam. There you go. So that's uh, pretty much the example of what you want. We'll be doing that around about 11.40 uh, this morning. John, I watched uh, yesterday's uh, Zoe Sadusky Sinnott qualifying, um, and I had three runs, and she worked it out absolutely perfectly. Uh, she had the, fir- the first run where she was top, then she pulled back knowing full well that she would qualify, but guaranteed her spot in the final. Brilliant. Uh, and then at the end, she just came in and said, uh, you think you can top me? Uh, I'll just pop across the top of the leaderboard again. So uh, are the Japanese there? There's three very good Japanese. Uh, uh, absolutely, I think that they'll be the big threat to her. Uh, the big American threat's gone. Didn't make the top 12, the world champion, and uh, the highest rating one throughout the, the last couple of years. But uh, Zoe, look, she just, her disposition is just amazing. She looks so calm. She's got the elbow bump with her coach at the top. Nothing too outlandish. And then away she goes. But it, it's just, you can just sort of sense... Her, trick, her tricks just seem like they take forever, but she's got the same amount of time to do them, and it's, it's, it's quite freaky, really. She's gifted. She's very, very gifted. Yeah, you nailed it in your sermon. Just great athletes have that extra bit of time, don't they? And you think of Michael Jordan instantly. He always just had that bit of extra hang time, and uh, even closer to home, Dan Carter seemed like he had that extra time as well. Um, tennis players, the great ones, Roger Ruffer, Novak always seemed to have extra time to get the ball back, and Zoe's the same. I was watching you, Smithy. It was like watching totally different competitions. Watching Jamie Anderson, who's the queen of snowboarding. I 
Like she's won slope style gold at the last two Winter Olympics. 31 year old American, and she was struggling big time. Crashed both times on her first uh, jumps, and she's normally mm. like right there in the zone. And then watching Zoe just seemed to do it so easy. Uh, and had such a strong game plan. Like that second trick was um, small and minor, but just enough to make sure that she was going to be in the top 12. And then that third trick, wow, just uh, so much better than everyone else, Smithy. So I hate to say it, and, you know, we don't want to put the mockers on anyone, but it's hers to lose today. She it just looks clearly better than anyone else in that field, and I feel bad saying that. Well, I, I feel a bit um, preemptive as well. Uh, I've been, I have been prone to quite a few. You know, he's going to make a hundred today. Gets out next ball, sort of statement. So I, I just I've been a bit worried about that. But I I think the first one is completely the the one. The one you know she sets the bar, uh, and then because she'll be going last because I think they do it from twelfth place down to first. So she'll be first. She'll know what she has to beat. Uh, but getting that first one on the board and that forces the others to go real special, real real, real hard. Uh, and then of course uh, when you add to the risk. Uh, you add to the opportunity to get for something to go wrong. So yeah, mm, that is at two thirty this afternoon. It'll probably take the thick end of with only twelve competitors. I suppose it would take just over an hour, hour and a half. Uh, compulsive viewing for me. Compulsive yep. viewing. Uh, two more coming in. Uh, text coming. Uh, Paul, uh, my top four: Liam Messam, uh, Craig Clark, John O. Gibbs, Brody Retallick already. Brody Retallick already. Interesting. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's an interesting one. Chris is so. Uh, uh, Cruden, Messam, Retallick, Mackenzie D. Yeah, I, I think that um, that's a fair mix as well. So uh, I think by the end of it, I think we'll come in and uh, I think a lot of us will be very close, very, very close indeed. But uh, Craig Clark, number one, the inspirational captain behind their su- two super titles. Yeah. So there's uh, an interesting one, Craig, uh, Craig Clark. Well, they've gone through changes, haven't they, the Chiefs? There's almost like yeah. pre-2012, they were quite a different side. And then post-2012, it was almost like the, the Dave Rennie era and then the Ian Foster era. So it's kind of mixing players from both because they made that final, what was it, 2009? When they made the yeah. final and they got when, thumped by the Bulls. So. That's right. Yeah. That's right. A little bit and of success. Went back to back, to back, back yeah. Back to back after. Yeah, so superb for that. Um, uh, Ted's come in. Good old Ted uh, has come in and said, Liam Messam, John O'Gibbs, Brody Retallick, and Aaron Cruden. So there will be uh, quite a few similar. I'm um, not quite sure anyone's come up with the exact same four that I have at the moment, but uh, it's starting to build up. It is starting to build up. So, yep, that's the subject for today. Double eight, double three, uh, your four most influential chiefs. Uh, during the history of their franchise. It is 9.30 and news time with Emma. It is uh, 9.32 here on SENZ and a lot has changed since we uh, talked to Black Caps all-rounder Daryl Mitchell just three weeks ago. A lot has changed for him. He's picked up the ICC Spirit of Cricket Award, uh, landed an IPL contract, and he's also set to bat in the top order for the Black Caps in the first test against South Africa at Hagley Oval in Christchurch, starting all going well on Thursday morning. Daryl, thanks very much uh, for giving us uh, some more of your time. Uh, Tell us a wee bit about this uh, ICC Spirit of Cricket Award uh, and and the, uh, the reason you got it. Hey Smithy, uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's obviously a pretty cool, cool award. It's not something I guess you go out trying to achieve, but um, yeah, for it to have come about and 
uh, yeah, to get recognised for playing the game in the right way, it's um, yeah, it's pretty cool. You remember the moment when you decided uh, to, to not take the run? I mean, is is that just ingrained in you? Yeah, I, I do look back now, and I think, um, yeah, I, I, there wasn't a lot of thought process going through it. I, I felt like I, I impeded Rashid in trying to get the ball, and um, it just felt like the right thing to do at the time. Um, it's something that we, as a New Zealand cricket team, uh, yeah, pride ourselves on that we try and play the game in the right way, and and we wanted to make sure we win on our own terms and. Um, yeah, I guess it was it was not something yeah, that was thought about. It just sort of happened, and um, yeah, and I, I think it, it cricket helps you in funny ways. If you do the right things, I, th- I think it comes back and um, rewards you. So yeah, we're lucky enough to win that semi final and move on to the final. And maybe maybe that was something that just was meant to be. Yeah, maybe it was too. Maybe uh, a little bit of karma there. Certainly some uh, fine upbringing. Uh, listen, the other thing too uh, that has happened uh, just recently outside the Black Caps. Um, squad is, uh, is the IPL auction now. Uh, you've been picked up by the Rajasthan Royals for 150000 I think it's uh, warranted too on your T20 uh, World Cup form. Uh, Daryl, tell us tell us about that process. Did, did you stay up and watch? Yeah, it was obviously, uh, I think I spoke with you last week, was it about mm. it potentially happening? And um, yeah, it's something that you sort of you put your name in and you hope you, you can go. And um, yeah, obviously very lucky to to have been picked up to go to Rajasthan, who looked like a really strong squad. So it's uh, going to be an amazing experience. And, um, yeah, it should be good fun. But, yeah, uh, me and my wife, we, we stayed up and watched it till about midnight and I got uh, didn't come up in the first round and stuff. And we thought, oh, well, that's, that's that hope dash. So we went to sleep and, and then obviously waking up in the morning with a few text messages saying that you, you've been picked up. It's pretty cool. And it's uh, yeah, nice news to wake up to, that's for sure. We know quite a lot about KKR because of Baz. We know uh, quite a lot about Chennai because of, of Flem and where Bondi's been, etc. Tell us a wee bit about the Rajasthan Royals, where they're based, who's in, who's in charge and some of your teammates. Yeah, look, Rajasthan, they're, they're a strong squad. Um, obviously had initial success early on when the IPL first started. Uh, but yeah, for me to, to be able to go to Rajasthan and play with the likes of Sanjay Sampson, um, Josh Butler, uh, then we obviously picked up in the in the draft uh, Ravi Ashwin and Yuzi Chahal as, as well as Balti. So it's, it's a strong squad, and it's um, yeah, it'll be for me. It's just about going over, experiencing um, a, another world tournament, and and just trying to um, yeah perform if I do get the chance, and if not, try and keep helping the squad win games of cricket, and hopefully we can have some success. Yeah, sometimes a little bit hard when you go to a new environment, you, and whilst you know people by reputation or you've played against them. Um, it's always nice to have a little bit of Kiwi company around you. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool to have Boldy and Nish there. Um, I know Nish is really excited to spend another two months with Boldy and they'll probably pester each other the whole time, so it'll be quite funny to watch. And I'll just, I'll just sit back with my coffee and, and enjoy watching them just wind each other up for two months, so it'll be good fun. OK, let's uh, talk about winding up. Uh, the winding uh, up and, and the gearing up has started too. Uh, for the the protest, you're down in Christchurch. I think you're assembled yesterday. There was the option uh, of a practice, I believe. So, uh, how's the team uh, come together for this one without Kane Williamson, without Ross Taylor? Yeah, it's, it's obviously been a really exciting challenge to take on South Africa. Uh, they obviously had some success last month against India in their Test series over there, and um, yeah, they got a really strong bowling attack. So, I know us as a group, we're really excited about the challenge uh, with two Tests. At Hagley, which is probably a, a surface that we've had a lot of success on in the last few years, um, so yeah, we're 
boys are really excited to, to get stuck in and, and try and win some games of cricket. Um, but, yeah, there's not too much talk around missing Kane and Ross as much as um, we know how much they, they've added to, to our batting unit for a long time. It's, it's a cool opportunity for some other guys to step up and, and try and uh, yeah, uh, keep the momentum going, I guess. Well, it will be a challenge too, uh, Daryl, because uh, South Africa's strength has always been uh, around their pace bowling attack. And uh, with the weather being around and the history of Hagley Oval, uh, it's probably, I would say, 99% certain they're going to get a surface they might like to run in on. Yeah, I think that's the cool thing about playing Test cricket. Uh, you've, you Smithy, you face the Western Indies in their prime, and and to be able for me to be able to yeah, face a really strong South African side on a quick wicket, that's that's cool. You know, you get to test yourself against the best, and um, yeah, hopefully you can have some success and and gain some really cool experiences from it. And um, yeah, I guess you just gotta you gotta look forward to it and be really really excited to take on the challenge and and do it with a smile on your face. Darrell, have you been able to do any homework on these guys? I mean, Rabada's pretty well known. I mean, he's, he's just picked up a, a reasonably high-octane uh, contract himself in the IPL, but uh, there is one or two relatively new names to perhaps touring New Zealand. Have you been able to do some homework on them to this point? Yeah, so we, we obviously do a fair bit of, of planning before we come together, just in, like individually, about how certain guys are going to come try and attack you with the ball. For me, as a batter, it's coming up with plans to... To combat that and stick within my strengths, and and then we've we've got a few meetings again this morning, scouting meetings, just going over footage about about how they they go about their work again, and just create really clear um, plans and clarity around how you want to go about it for five days straight. Um, and then it's just about trusting your skills and and reacting when you're out in the middle. Oh, of course, one of the incentives for New Zealand uh, in this particular series, I think you've got a bit of making up to do after dropping that test against Bangladesh, but. Um, you've never beaten South Africa uh, in a test series. Uh, I would imagine that's been a bit of a focal point. Yeah, obviously all of us, uh, we love it. We love cricket. We love test cricket and we all know the history of the game really well and it's something that we, we really pride ourselves on is trying to you know, take up New Zealand cricket to the next level. So for us to win a test series against South Africa would be really special. Um, you know, we went to England last winter and won the first time a series over there in a long time and um, yeah, it's little things like that, yeah. That drive you forward as a group and keep wanting you to try and yeah keep putting New Zealand cricket in a better place. Daryl, uh, we spoke to to Gary Stead and uh, he did mention your name as a batting um, in either four or five. Um, point one, ha- would you have a preference? Uh, uh, point two, have you heard? You know? Um, yeah, there's obviously conversations going on at the moment. I'm not sure what's been put out to the public yet, so I'll keep that quiet. But um, yeah, there's. Yeah, if if I do get the chance to to bat in that middle order, there it's something that yeah I'd love to do. Um, I, although I'm an all rounder, the batting part is is that's my bread and butter, and that's something that I, I'd love to be up in that middle to top order. Um, so yeah, to keep trying to do a job for my country and keep trying to win games of cricket, um, whether it is opening or or batting eleven, um, yeah, I just want to keep wearing that black cap for as long as I can and and keep trying to contribute to the squad. Well, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that comment uh, as that you're in. I'm not going to specify whether you're four or five, but I, I'm going to take that as a positive. Um, it seemed a very much a, a sort of a positive sort of questioning thing on your behalf there. So congratulations on being very well media trained. You boys are outstanding. <laughs> two, two, two games in a row on the same Hagley Oval block. Two games in a row. So I guess while you're batting on one, you'll be able to watch the other one grow. 
Yeah, it'll be a bit bizarre. Um, for me, it's awesome. Obviously, living in Christchurch now, it's really cool to to be home and, and know that I, I've got my girls around me at home to to chill me out after play and stuff. But um, yeah, no, I think it's it, it's really cool. It's the weather that's been around in the last week. It'll be interesting to see what the surface is like uh, for that first test, and then I can imagine um, it will be a little bit dry for that second test with them not being able to prepare it like they normally would. But uh, yeah, it'll be. It'll be a great challenge. Um, Hagley Oval is a beautiful ground, and it's cool just to play test cricket at cricket-specific grounds with banks around and, and just what is a, new, mm-hmm. a, a real New Zealand style, which I, I do love. Come on, come on mate. You've, you've only been down there five minutes. Your address, your, your, your address might be uh, in Christchurch. Your, you know, your letterbox might be there. But, mate, Seddon Park? Seddon Park? Yeah, it's still got a... Seddon Park's got a, yeah, a special place in my heart. I've... Yeah, obviously, as a kid, grew up sitting on the bank out there, and, and with my granddad and my dad watching, watching the likes of uh, Graham Aldridge and all those old fellas play. So, um, yeah, it, it is. But at the same time, yeah, Christchurch is, is home. I've two little girls who, are, I, as much as it hurts me, they support the Crusaders. So it's, um, it's always a good battle in, in our household when the Chiefs chief play the Crusaders. That's for sure. Uh, finally, it came out. Thank you very much, Carol. <laughs> hey, look. Thanks, thanks for your time, mate. Um, all the best. Uh, I hope, I really do hope uh, you, you get an opportunity. I think you'd be ideally suited at four or five, to be honest, because you just seem to be able to handle the occasion and the responsibility well so far. So, hey, good luck against South Africa. Uh, let's let's hope you win a toss if you have to, uh, and let's hope it, uh, it's a great start to the series. Thanks for your time, buddy. No, cheers, Steve. Thanks for having me and having me. And yeah, it'd be nice if Tommy can can get that coin, coin toss right. That's for sure. Yep, it's pretty simple, mate. It's, it's, it's an art. You just toss it up, and halfway down, you just put a little bit of influence on it, or you convince them to call tails and have two head, uh, two-headed coin, one or the other. Well, it's meant to be 50% right, but uh, yeah, I don't know if that's happening with the way we're going, so we're definitely due for one, so it'll be good. Yeah, you're due for one, mate, and uh, uh, all the best. All the best with the toss and mate. everything that follows on. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Daryl Mitchell, you're a fine bloke. And a terrific uh, black cap uh, so far, and I, I think he'd be ideally suited uh, there. I really, I mean, I just, you know, you get a guy you trust when you see him come out to play. You, you just get a good feeling about him, John. Uh, he, he's one of those guys you just feel, you know he's going to give 100% every single time. Uh, he's, by and large, going to be very hard to get out because he prides his, uh, he prides his wicket, uh, puts a high price on it. And, uh, you know, he, he just defends... He defends it for all uh, on the opportunities that he gets, and that's why you see. I, I, that's why I think he's pretty successful all the time because he values every opportunity to play. Uh, you know, it's not like he he's ever been in a situation where he's guaranteed to be in the side time after time after time. Um, so, and when you have that opportunity, sometimes you just let things drop away a wee bit, knowing that you've got a bit of insurance in the bank. Uh, he's never really played a lot with that, Daryl Mitchell, and, and he he earns every bit that he's got. So. I like him at four, actually. I like Daryl Mitchell at uh, four because we'll have had uh, left-hander, uh, right-hander, left-hander, right-hander, left-hander. Like that because uh, for bowling attacks in particular, trying to settle on line and length, uh, if you can mix it, mix it up around a wee bit, I quite like that. And, and also, uh, I'd quite like to see him perhaps, we, we all know Williamson will come back in at some point, uh, and he'll probably come back in at three. Uh, so we need to find a four, and uh, whether it be Conway or Mitchell, uh, maybe leave Nichols in the five or six role where he seems to be comfortable. Once he gets in, he bats well with the tail. Uh, so uh, that's be the way I'd look at it anyway. Yeah, I liked hearing that he's up for it. 
He's just like, he wants the big challenges on the biggest stages, which is a great sign yep. for a cricketer. He's a mature cricketer too now. He's been around a long time, hasn't he, Daryl Mitchell? So he's getting his chances at international cricket and he's not letting us down, Smithy. And we need someone who makes us feel safe when they walk to the wicket because Kane always does, Ross always did. Uh, we need someone with that kind of aura around them. I get that with Tom Latham as well. I get that kind of safety feeling. Uh, but mm. we need some more than just Tommy on his home patch. Steady the ship. Steady the ship, Daryl. Does it has it got a ring to it? Steady the ship, Daryl. Mm. Nine forty-five here on SENZ. Do I have got plenty of texts on that subject of your top four uh, standout chiefs over the period of their franchise? Uh, we'll read them out shortly. Behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Harrison Marker has uh, come in, and uh, I noticed Harrison made a really good, good uh, knowledgeable contribution to the breakfast show as well this morning about uh, golf courses. Uh, Harrison, uh, how can uh, he comes in? How can uh, Siani Loaki be left out? Uh, that's an interesting one. Remember Siani Loaki? He was a terrific chief. He played his best rugby for the Chiefs and against Auckland in particular. He fired up against Auckland. Uh, he played 70 games for the Chiefs over the course of about seven years. Uh, very sadly passed away. Uh, just a, f- a five-year anniversary the other day, actually, uh, 12th of February 2017, uh, sadly for uh, rugby fans. But uh, Sione Luaki uh, passing away very, very prematurely. John, what a powerhouse off the back he was. Oh, my instant memory is him just ragdolling Richie McCaw. Like, no, not many people in the world can say that they've made, you know, Richie, they've owned Richie McCaw, but Sione Luaki can. I found that every time he played the Crusaders, he just lifted and definitely, you're right, played his best rugby for the Chiefs. That's one that I'd actually forgotten about, so great text. Yeah, it is, and uh, to be honest, uh, Chase from uh, Waiuku, Chase is regular as uh, contributor as well. Uh, he's uh, on the same wavelength there because he's put Sione Luaki in his top four alongside Liam Messam, Anton Leonard-Brown and Aaron Cruden. Aaron Cruden he's put in as well, so there you go. Uh, Mike's come in, you're like this one, John. Mike's come in and said, number one, Dave Rennie, uh, number two, Dave Rennie, number three, Dave Rennie, and number four, Dave Rennie. <laughs> thank you to the Hurricanes for being so dysfunctional, we see we got him as a coach. <laughs> I do like that one. I was going to spring that surprise on you, Smithy. Was the first one I wrote down, actually, was Dave Rennie. I know we're probably okay. talking players, but just the most influential Chiefs. When he came up from the Hurricanes and brought Aaron Cruden with him, that's the day the franchise changed, I think. Yep, it is. Uh, we got more to read out. We'll do that um, Probably after 11 o'clock, we've got a pretty busy 10 to 11. But keep them coming in. They will all be read out, I assure you. Uh, it's 9.52 here on SCNZ in the mornings. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. So going into yesterday, we were 8 wins, 13 losses. Not a bad sort of a ratio, to be fair. When you multi up uh, the the value of a multi, uh, you'd be well ahead on that ratio. Uh, If they're able to maintain that, uh, that'll be cool. And at the moment, we're still 8 and 13 because our third option is still going. The Rams got up and beat the Cincinnati Bengals. We all saw that at $1.46. Uh, last night, Ireland did beat Nepal. It was pretty close, actually. I thought they'd thump them, but they beat Nepal at a buck forty in cricket, T20 cricket. And at half time between West Bromwich Albion and Blackburn Rovers, it's uh, of course Blackburn Rovers was the old team for Ryan Nelson uh, when they were in the Premier League. 
Uh, it's nil all. It's nil all at a buck seventy-two. So we're still hanging on a three dollar fifty-two result there. Uh, so today, New Zealand women to beat India. They have a one-day international, the second one. Of course, they've won the T20, won the first one, a buck forty-four. Chicago Bulls to beat the San Antonio Spurs. Old pop can't buy when it's a dollar fifty-eight. Melbourne City to beat Adelaide tonight uh, in the A League at a buck forty-five. And Australia just uh, downtown are going to be playing against Sri Lanka in a T20 international. They're a dollar eighteen favourites. That just adds a little bit of interest to, I think, a pretty good one. Three dollars eighty-nine. Uh, that's what's up for grabs today. I'll keep you posted on WBA and Blackburn very shortly. But meanwhile, it's coming up 10 o'clock here on SENZ, and it's news time with Emma. The all-new SENZ is Kiwi for sport. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 10.03 here and uh, good old New Zealand uh, and Australia. It's uh, a little bit earlier in the morning, but uh, they're celebrating over there. And what a weekend it was for the Wellington Phoenix in the Women's A-League after a draw and their nine straight defeats. They finally picked up their first one of the season with a really convincing 3-0 thumping of Canberra. Uh, Joining us now to chat about that result and looking forward to the remaining three games is defender, defender Mackenzie Barry. Uh, good morning to you, Mackenzie. Uh, you're still on cloud nine, you girls? Good morning. Um, yeah, everyone's just buzzing over here. We are just so um, proud of everyone and just so happy to finally have gotten that win that we've just been working like all season for. We've, we came so close a couple of times and, um, yeah, to not win earlier was a bit disappointing, but, yeah, we're just so happy and... We're off to training in about half an hour, so yeah, we'll see how everyone is this morning. Yeah, back into it. Yeah, back into it again. Listen, uh, you know, as you said, you were so close a couple of times. You had the draw as well to begin with. Uh, did you ever get the feeling that it just wasn't going to happen for you? Um, honestly, I oh, hard question to answer because we were told not to think that because as soon as you started to worry about we're not going to win we're not going to get this result then you know you've already lost so I just tried to stay positive and everyone else did as well and obviously we all had the right attitude because it did come and I think on the field it just shows that everyone plays with such pride and um, we wanted it mm. like really badly and we got the result so yeah I, I didn't think we um, were gonna I thought we would get the win eventually yeah well, you went when you win three 0 with a couple of with about uh, five minutes or so to go. I think you probably realise you are going to win. But how did it feel when you the full time whistle went? How, what about the feeling within the group on the field and then in the dressing room afterwards? Um, well, I think at first a lot of us we just we couldn't really believe it. We were just so happy, we were so excited. Um, everyone was just a lot of hugs, a lot of. Um, yelling and then in the dressing room a lot of dancing everyone was just so excited and then yeah it was a great after match um little function as well just you know having food and chatting about the game and how happy we were so yeah it was a great atmosphere it's been building though Mackenzie to be fair I mean you know you've shown signs throughout and I think that's been the encouraging thing for us back at home I think we've been believing as well 
Oh, yeah, we've received so much support from back home. And, um, yeah, definitely, I think coming so close those few times um, gave us that belief as well, which was so important. And all the coaching staff over here never doubted us for a second. So, yeah, we always believed. And, um, yeah, it's just so great to finally get the result we needed, get those three points, um, yeah, and hopefully get off the bottom of the um, leaderboard as well. Well, you're a defender, Mackenzie. You're responsible for keeping a, a clean sheet, if possible, uh, along with Lily Alfield, who had uh, a really, a really uh, top game for for the team as well in goal. Uh, she's a captain, and uh, of course, she's off to the football ferns now. So, uh, developing along nicely uh, with her at the back. Yeah, um, we're so happy that Lily's been called up. She totally deserves it. She has just been playing so well like throughout this whole campaign and she really leads everyone. Um, it's going to be a little bit different next game not having her, but you know we have our number two keeper who's been training all season with us, so we're feeling really confident that um, Bree will just step in and um, play just as well. Um, yeah, definitely losing our captain will be a bit different, but I mean, Kate Taylor's mm-hmm. vice captain seen her back with me, so yeah, I'm hoping that it'll all it'll, it'll be all good, but um, yeah, definitely a change without Lily there. We like we might miss her a bit. She's such a vital player. Uh, folks, we're talking to Mackenzie Barry, uh, defender for the Wellington uh, Women's Phoenix uh, football team. Of course, their first win uh, at uh, the expense of Canberra over the weekend. Uh, the, the other thing that came uh, reared itself, I thought quite ugly here actually, is they wouldn't let you have a replacement specialist goalkeeper because uh, Lily was going to play for the All Whites not the Matildas as such. Is, is that still in place, that rule? Have you been able to find adequate replacement? Uh, so we have we have a number two keeper, but we don't have a, another replacement for her. So, um, yeah, we're still sorting through that. I think Gemma's looking into having um, another backup keeper just in case um, our number two keeper gets injured. But um, at this stage... I'm not too sure if that's been confirmed or not. So uh, Grace Wisniewski had to sit out uh, a game because uh, you know, she was feeling um, perhaps a, a wee bit down. So uh, it was great to see her back on, on Friday. And it's probably just an example how tough it's been. A lot of you, um, a lot of you girls are pretty young, being away from home and making the sacrifice. So do you feel it's taken its toll or, or have you, you're, you're hanging in there pretty tough together in this? Of course, winning will help. Oh, yeah, I think um, we all go through some phases every now and then and um, I'm just so happy that Grace was able to play a game because she's such a key player and she had an outstanding game as well. Um, but, yeah, I think there are a few people that are definitely missing home, which is, you know, a bit upsetting. But I think we're getting to the end now, so only another few weeks. And I think that's what's keeping um, everyone positive. And I think with this win, it's just... Um, lifted everyone's spirits a little bit as well. So that's great timing, really. So, Mackenzie, you've got um, a path back into New Zealand. You, you're guaranteed exactly when you know you'll be able to get home to the families? Yep. Um, we have flight sorted for the 8th of March. Yep, and then we have to home quarantine. So, yeah, not yeah. having to organise the quarantine definitely a big relief. Yeah, that's cool. That is really cool news because... 
Uh, a lot of people have battled a wee bit, not just in sport either. So uh, that's great news that you're, you're able to get straight home. Uh, Jim has done, a, it seems from the outside anyway, Jim has done a really, really good job. You um, didn't have a lot of time in terms of your build-up. Uh, but, you know, the style of football and the attitude seems really, really good. So a very popular coach, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah. Um, I've been coached by Gemma for a couple of years now um, when I was living in Auckland. And, yeah, she's a great coach. And over here, I think she's more than just a coach to a lot of the girls. Like, um, we all look up to her and we really appreciate um, her style of coaching and um yeah, she, since we're all away from home, it's just nice to have um, such a friendly coach who's understandable mm. and, um, but also, you know, can give you the hard word when necessary. So, yeah, she's um, been doing an amazing job. You're playing Adelaide, uh, the third on the table, so they're a pretty well-performed team, but you played them less than a month ago, only lost 1-0. Um, and now, of course, winning breeds uh, more winning, hopefully, so... Do you feel confident going into this next one? Oh, yeah, definitely. We've um, set a few goals. We've decided that, you know, the last three games we're going for the win for every single game. So, um, yeah, it was a tight game last time we played them. I was actually injured, so I couldn't play. So I'm actually looking, really looking forward to, you know, seeing what they're made of. And um, they did just beat Brisbane yesterday 8-2, which is a huge score um but they've played uh back-to-back games i think they've had three games in about eight days so um i think they'll be a bit fatigued and that's an opportunity for us so yeah definitely going for the win Mackenzie, this uh, of course i i would imagine you you know you've been playing football for uh, quite some time even though you're you're very very young um, you've, uh, you're realizing i guess a, a bit of a dream here to play football on, on a stage like this um, what what have you learnt? Um, what do you, what do you feel you've learnt as an individual about playing football? And would you be keen to really go back and and get stuck in again? Oh yeah, definitely. I've enjoyed this time over here so much and the challenge of it all. Um, yeah, I've learnt you know um, the physicality of the game and you know how much quicker uh, the players over here. That um, you don't have much time on the ball. It's Pretty much, you already have to know where you're going, what you're doing with it as soon as you receive it. Um, yeah, it's, def- it's a big step up from playing um, in the league in New Zealand. And yeah, I definitely want to be back over here um, to keep improving, keep challenging myself. And, and even better, um, if time permits and uh, society permits, uh, maybe playing at home, uh, running out on Wellington Stadium at some point. Now, there is. There's something to really look forward to, a home crowd. Yeah, that would be awesome, especially since we've only been playing you know, overseas and not had a huge amount of support, although we have had some loyal supporters that come to all of our games, which has been amazing. But yeah, I think next season we're definitely looking at um, being based in Wellington and having most of our games at home, which would be so cool, just you know, playing in front of friends and family, um, yeah, in front of the nation that we're representing, which, yeah, really looking forward to that. Well, the nation's very proud, I can tell you, Mackenzie. Particularly happy on your mm-hmm. behalf to see you triumphant the other night. I look forward to these last three games and safe tri- a safe trip home so you can get back and spend some time with your family. Uh, thanks very much for, for giving us some time. It's been really cool to chat to you. 
Thank you very much. Cheers, Mackenzie. Uh, train well today, so and prepare well for Adelaide. Uh, wonderful performance, uh, really, for the Wellington Women's Phoenix team. Uh, John, it's just you can hear the enthusiasm. It's been tough, uh, you know. She said uh, they've all battled at time from time to time from being away, very, very young, and doing something very, very new. It's not like they um, they they could eat, ring up other women and say, "Well, what's it been like? How do you actually go through this, or how do you play in this competition?" I mean, starting from scratch. I think it's one of one of the good stories. I mean, people look at the table and say no, but you got. To, I think you got to look a bit deeper than that. Yeah, I agree with you, Smithy. We've been on this ride. I feel with them the whole time from when they got their license to go into the competition really late. I mean, all these other teams have been in the women's A League. I think for two or three years. Uh, I think Gemma Lewis had to build a team in about a month, uh, and then pick them all up. A lot of young girls, like Mackenzie's twenty years old, uh, and take them across the Tasman for three months of bubble life. Like, it's been quite amazing. And then for them to draw their first game, then lose nine in a row, and you could hear McKenzie, uh, she just, you could feel like she felt like maybe they weren't going to win a game. But Gemma Lewis sounds like she is leading this team so well, getting alongside them when they need it, but also giving them the hard word, like McKenzie said, when, when they need to win games. And now they have, Smithy, 3-0, uh, three more games to go. They can probably see the finish line now. I think, you know, one draw... One win, nine losses. Sounds pretty bad, but I think that's been quite a successful season. I think it's been very good. I mean, you you got to look at then you look at player retention, and if they all want to go back, uh, that's a positive. Uh, if they all want to, you know, to rejoin the, the side once more, uh, I, I think that's important. Uh, then they'll get players interested in playing for this franchise because of uh, the atmosphere around it. They'll get uh, the players, perhaps uh, more experienced players, wanting to join the mix from some of the other franchises. Uh, you know, I think, and I, I think I read a story where Gemma Lewis has almost been confirmed as being coach again next year, which is a really uh, positive statement from uh, those uh, in the know to say, yeah, we're happy. We're, we're happy with the way it's gone. Uh, but yeah, and, and also, you know, the possibility of, of playing some games at home um, in the next league, uh, that would be something special. It looks like it's heading in that direction, actually, so... Uh, we trust that that is the case. It's ten sixteen here on SENZ, which means uh, we'll take a short break and then we come back. It's panel time, uh, and today our panel consists of Mark Hinton and Kimberly Downs. Yes, it's, it's panel time, and I'm pleased to say Kimberly Downs is with us this morning, and Mark Hinton as well. And uh, Kimberly, uh, we'll start with you this morning, ladies. First, on the basis that it's another day for. Zoe going for gold, and it's around about four hours away till she stands on top of that slope and heads downhill at a great rate of knots. I'm excited. Oh, you're not the only one, Smithy. I am absolutely pumped for this. I mean, she's proven already, obviously, what a superstar she is. She's already created history. There is nothing to suggest that she won't do it again. I am so, so excited, and I actually... I had the privilege of being in Pyeongchang for the Winter Olympics in 2018, back when Zoe won, and at that stage it was New Zealand's first Winter Olympic medal uh, in about 26 years. And at the time, I remember, she's 16, but that kid was just as close to nerveless as you can be and still remain a human in that situation. And I just don't think she's really changed since. And so even though there is huge amount now of, of pressure and of expectation. She is undoubtedly the favourite. She's obviously the top qualifier in the big year. It's the event that she's already won a medal in back in 2018. I can't see it affecting her and it is 
hard to see short of something going drastically wrong her walking away today without a medal so I am absolutely pumped to be able to watch her she is such a superstar um, and I just hope that everyone is appreciating what a star that we have at the moment because it's been a long time and a lot of years that we haven't had any Winter Olympic hopeful, so I hope everyone's behind her. I hope everyone's watching. I hope everyone's cheering her on because she absolutely deserves it. She is a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, she's brilliant and a brilliant person with it. That's what I like about it. Mark, uh, from your point of view, uh, I'm not quite, I'm not Lisa Carrington confident at this point, but I'm confident. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Lisa's name, Smithy, because I was, you know, just sort of thinking um, if Zoe was able to go and and, uh, you know, win this second gold, which she looks every chance of doing. And as Kim says, you know, uh, her kind of temperament, you wouldn't doubt her ability to do so this afternoon, our time. So, um, yeah, we will all be glued. But I was thinking how privileged we are to have two amazing sportswomen, uh, you know, at the peak of their powers almost, although, of course, Zoe's got a fair amount of their career still in front of her, but two, two sportswomen dominating what they do, like Lisa Carrington and Zoe sindowski sinnott I mean, we're, this is, this, these are rare times for New Zealand to have people ride at the top of their, of their game like these two, and, and there is an element of Lisa about Zoe, isn't there, that kind of ruthlessness, that, um, that uh, you know, ability to rise to the occasion. So... Um, um, if Lisa Carrington was undoubtedly New Zealand's uh, sporting superstar of 2021, Zoe Sadowski is on the verge of succeeding her in 2022, and this afternoon will go a long way towards that. The other thing, Smithy, I was thinking watching Zoe's gold medal a week or so back, how different and how special winter sport is. With, when she was absolutely invalid at the end by her uh, two biggest rivals mm. and the other two medalists, the sheer joy that they all took in, in each other's success, and I guess just the lack of um, that com- competitive edge that maybe mars other sports, it was really, really refreshing, and it was my biggest takeaway outside of the joy of seeing the New Zealander win gold in Winter Olympics. That was my biggest takeaway. The fact that these three people, what, you know, the other two didn't get the gold, but their joy for, for what Zoe did was, was there for all to see. It was really special, so I hope we see that again today. I certainly hope we do too. Uh, just uh, not too far away, though, uh, is the figure skating competition. And, Kimberly, uh, all of a sudden, uh, this 15-year-old girl uh, from Russia, Kamila Valieva, Valieva, is uh, now all of a sudden having won a medal and then testing positive, uh, being cleared to take part again after a hastily arranged court of arbitration for sport released a ruling. <sighs> yes, I think... I feel two ways about this, Smithy. One is that it's an absolute farce. The other is that it's incredibly sad. I just, the whole situation, the timeline of it, how it's progressed, what's happened, I just, it it is mind-boggling, but at the same time, unsurprising, if that makes sense when you look at the kind of central characters at play here. There are no winners in this situation. I think you can justifiably be angry um, at the Court of Arbitration for allowing her to continue to compete at the same time, understand their reasons for doing so. Um, and also, you can justifiably be angry that the IOC has even allowed this situation to develop by never putting in place any meaningful sanctions against Russia. Um, also coming out today and saying that they won't hold medal ceremonies 
if she does win, and she is obviously heavily favoured uh, favored to win the competition tonight, uh, which thereby denies anyone else the opportunity to get their medal moment as well. It just It is absolutely baffling in that sense because the IOC clearly, by making this statement, do not trust in her performance, and that it is clean performance, but they are also then taking away what is, for many athletes, one of their greatest moments of their athletic career. But then at the central, you know, you've also got the central figure, which at the end of the day is a 15-year-old girl who, no matter what happens from here on out, her entire career is going to be swamped by this scandal. And that's incredibly sad because you can't really think anything other than she is a tool in someone else's agenda at this point. And that is a lot to carry at 15 years old uh, and will be a lot to carry for her entire life really after this. Well, the other thing that interests me about this, Mark, is that, you know, uh, this poor young 15-year-old girl, I suppose for a few years back, her dream was representing Russia and doing exactly what she's doing, but uh, she's not even allowed to represent Russia. She can represent the Russian Olympic Committee. Yeah, um, Smithy, look, to me, the biggest culpability, well, there's two, two areas where culpability lies in this, and it, it is... It is a disgraceful situation. Um, one is the Russia, uh, Russia itself, which has clearly sponsored systematic doping. Um, and, and it goes back to the 2014 uh, Sochi Winter Olympics, where basically they decided that they had to win medals at their home Olympics at any cost. And it was uncovered that they had a state-sponsored doping program in place. They were caught red-handed and caught, you know, really blatantly cheating. And the IOC, to me, are the, are the big... Um, is where the finger must point most vividly. Gutless and absolutely inept. And they now uh, succeed FIFA as the most corrupt organisation in sport. There's no other way to look at it. They, they, you, you say that, that um, you know, they've, uh, uh, I guess, you know, not allowed Russia to compete, but they have. All they've done is just change the name, the Russian Olympic Committee. Mm. All they've done is change their anthem. They haven't had the guts to ban Russia. And whether they're scared of certain political leaders or certain um, other ramifications, I don't know. But to me, uh, the IOC um, had the power to act way back in 2014 when this was discovered. They've failed abysmally and they've failed their duty to sport and to the rest of the world. Shame on the IOC and I think Peng Shui's situation also um, adds to this. Shame on them because they represent something bigger than just uh, one or two countries and they've failed to act. And, and the duty of care. Yeah, very strong views from both of you. Uh, much appreciated too. We're going to take a, a short break. We're going to change tack a, a little bit afterwards and just have a little bit of a reflection on Super Bowl, maybe the halftime show as well. Uh, and in the meantime, we'll uh, take in the news with Emma. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Mark Hinton and Kimberly Downs with us this morning. Some strong views on Russian athletes as such. Uh, we'll just change uh, a little bit here to a slightly more pleasant subject, I think. Uh, Super Bowl and uh, the title belongs, uh, Kimberly, with the LA Rams. I guess you were pretty well ensconced uh, with uh, Zoe's qualifying, but did you manage to take any of it in? Uh, yes, I did. I managed to watch the Super Bowl right up until it hit about 2.35pm when I did switch over uh, to the big ear, but that was enough time to, in my mind at least, uh, absorb the real winner of the day, which was the halftime show, let's be honest. I mean, 
I will happily confess to you some of the NFL is not my main sport. Super Bowl, generally speaking, uh, will be the one game a year that I watch. The halftime performance, though, on another level. And maybe I'm just kind of showing my generation because the nostalgia of getting to see Eminem and Mary J. Blige um, just got me extremely excited. I'm a massive Kendrick Lamar fan as well. I know a lot of people um, talk about how there will be no halftime performance that can ever better Prince, but in my mind, it's got to be pretty darn up there. Wow. Okay. Well, I thought the set was good, put it that way. Um, <laughs> let's, um, let's, let's pop across to you, Mark. Uh, let's pop across to you. Uh, did you have a look at the game proper, uh, or were you mesmerised by Snoop Dogg? Well, <laughs> I must admit I did enjoy the halftime show as well. I'm not a rap fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I love music and I love quality music, and that was outstanding. As you say, Smith, it was a great set. My daughter's a bit of a hip-hop dancer, and so uh, she was reveling in what was going on around those uh, outstanding musicians. The dancing was just superb. So, yeah, as always, the Super Bowl delivered uh, something spectacular. I mean, they've had their moments, haven't they? No one will ever forget the Janet Jackson uh, performance, the, the, the wardrobe malfunction uh, went down in history, but they've had brilliant halftime shows, and, that, you know, that's their signature, isn't it? And they didn't disappoint. It was an absolute rapping um, uh, and hip-hop kind of um, showcase, really, uh, of, of, you know, some iconic performers. So the halftime show, brilliant. The match itself was really good as well. Uh, NFL just does not fail to deliver um, in terms of the contest, the absorbing nature, the fact that these they inevitably go down to the wide. They get a lot right, American football, with the evenness of, of, of the sport. that You don't tend to get runaway kind of results. Um, I mean, not all Super Bowls are great games. Uh, they're finals, after all, and sometimes the stakes... Um, you know, makes things a bit difficult in terms of performance. But this was another great match. Um, won by the Rams and went right down to the closing minutes. Matt, you know, Matt Stafford's kind of beat Joe Burrow in the um, in the contest between two great ri- uh, rising sort of quarterbacks. And, um, um, you know, the big plays were made by the Rams when uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, kind of one of the unfashionable teams, really, in American Sport uh, had a chance to snatch it at the death. It you know came, literally came down to the last play of the game. So you can't ask for more than that. The NFL really does get it right, and the less is best kind of thing. They don't have that many games. I think the winners play 20, 21 games in a year. Less is best, and when it comes to American football, they play once a week. The games mean a lot. The games are captivating and Super Bowl delivered. So all round a great a great uh, uh, watch, Smitty. I have to say. Yeah, it was spectacular. $7.5 billion stadium, just by the by. Uh, it's not quite as good. Not quite as good as the Wakatipu uh, Club Rugby Ground, uh, to be fair, Kimberley. But it's going to see a bit of action this weekend. Might get 100 people there if they're lucky. But uh, Super Rugby starts this weekend, and the Chiefs and the Highlanders. Uh, yes, it does. I don't think I'll be alone in kind of getting a bit of a fright, regardless of, of the area that we work in and how much sport we absorb it, going, oh my gosh, okay, Super Rugby is actually starting proper this weekend at the end of February, as it's want to do. Um, gosh, it'll be interesting, won't it? I just, it's, <laughs> it's really hard. I feel like a lot of pre-season predictions kind of go out the window this early in the season, given the situation that the players are in. And I would take this opportunity as well just to express such sympathy for the Moana Pacifica players um, who are caught up 
with this COVID situation because honestly having fought for so long to, to build this team and to get it included and to now have their big opener postponed over COVID, it just, it must be an awful feeling and I really feel for them hold up in their Queenstown hotel um, just, just waiting and isolating and hoping for the best. Um, as far as this weekend's fixtures go, well, like I say, I, I do think the form book is kind of out the window at this stage given all of the surrounding circumstances. We just don't know how they'll affect them. I would say that I do think the Chiefs are going to... Um, edge out the Highlanders, close to home ground as the Highlanders may be, but also it's going to be an interesting watch, isn't it? Because like you say, at the Queenstown Rugby Ground, not a huge amount of people really going to be allowed in. You might get a few people peering off balconies or over the fences. It's kind of almost harking back to a bit of, you know, grassroots club rugby in a sense there. So it'll be interesting to see as well how the players respond to not having crowds there and fans there to hype them up. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we spoke to Luke Jacobson uh, this morning, Mark. He was pretty upbeat about the environment, uh, the way they're all preparing, and uh, he's pretty excited about the prospect of actually getting some some serious uh, some serious game time. The the Chiefs have started pretty well. Uh, of course, they beat Moana Pacifica uh, very one sided in the end that one, and a couple of encouraging performances. Uh, the thing that worries me ever so slightly is I, I read a story this morning, Mark, where someone said. Um, that uh, it might not go ahead because of uh, the advent of, of COVID, uh, Omicron, down in that particular area. Um, I hope not. What are, you, are you hearing anything to that degree? Nothing yet, but it's a, it's a watching brief, isn't it? Look, Omicron is going to spread. It's going to get widespread. They're in the bubble for, the, for that reason, um, and they're trying to avoid it. Moana Pacifica haven't been fortunate. Look, I wouldn't overplay Moana Pacifica's situation, it is, they are unlucky, and it is a, a setback because you know they're a new team, and they you know they didn't need this, but this has happened to the Breakers, it's happened to the Phoenix, um, um, it's happened to all, everyone playing in this new kind of COVID environment. You are going to get cases, you are going to be shut down for periods. Um, all evidence tells us that, that you know the players should recover reasonably quickly from this, um, and that they'll only be out of action for maybe you know maybe a week while they. Uh, uh, go through the uh, right testing and recovery processes. So that's something Moana will have to take in their stride, um, Smithy, um, and all teams. I expect all teams will get cases, and it's about them um, having the depth, being, uh, the competition being nimble enough to be able, being able to reschedule as, as required, and also um, just getting on with it. I mean, that's what the Breakers and Phoenix and, and, and everyone involved in, in this, these sort of scenarios have, have had to say. They just have to... Look, you know they have to play around it. They have to they have to keep going. Um, as far as the competition at South Coast, the the more things change, the more they stay the same. The Crusaders remain the team to beat, as far as I'm concerned. And the Blues look the most equipped to challenge them. Uh, the Chiefs are handy, but I wouldn't read too much into, into preseason form. You never can in, in rugby. Um, um, and the Hurricanes obviously have some big hitters in the Highlands as well. We you never know what they're going to produce. And they uh, had, did have that good uh, Trans-Tasman campaign last year. So it should be a good, good, fun comp. I'm really looking forward to see how, seeing how... Um, look, you know, all eyes on people like Roger Tuivasa-Shek. He won't get started to next week. But I'm looking at some all-black old stages, people like Sam Whitelock, Sam Kane, um, some of our props. How do they respond to, I guess, last year's, um, you know, fall from grace, shall we say, with the three test losses? There's a bit of a theory that the all-blacks 
Um, some of the senior All Blacks are past their use-by date. Look, Super Rugby's where they prove themselves, where they show they've still got the games and uh, I guess the dynamic play to kind of demand they stay in Test Rugby. I'll be watching that as much as uh, team performances this year. Kimberly, if you look at the games, what, what, from an officiating point of view, Kimberly, what, what would you like to see better this year? Uh, reset, scrum, anything? I mean, there's a, there is a, a word around that want, they want to see scrums take a, a maximum of 30 seconds to set. Look, that'd be nice. From a, from a pure out-and-out viewer-spectator point of view, that would be nice. I just, I struggle to see how they could make that happen and get everything right in the same go, to be perfectly honest. I just, yeah, I, uh, the scrum is such a tricky one. And we also, I, I just don't know how they would do it, to be perfectly honest. But I think I'd like to see just, I mean, the same as what you always want, really, isn't it? It's, it's good, solid, running rugby, a bit of excitement. I very excited to see that Blues backline unleashed. You want to see these players playing with a bit of freedom that New Zealand rugby is, is known and loved for. Mark also spoke about the kind of hangover, I suppose, from last year a little bit. I hope that doesn't mean anyone kind of closes up shop uh, and, is, and is weary or too conscious of the performance that they're putting out and that it means that they can play with a bit of freedom and a bit more free-flowing rugby. That is the main thing that I'd like to see. I'd like to see close games as well. Um, that's not on the officiating, of course. That's on the teams themselves. But I would like to see a bit of drama in that way. As we spoke about, you know, the American spectacle of Super Bowl and it constantly uh, kind of de- uh, delivering these compelling games, you'd like to see a bit more of that just to help with the storylines through the season, just to make people excited again. Because a bit of the feel that I got last year probably in the rugby season was that it was starting to to dip off a little bit in terms of, I guess, appreciation of some of the talent that we've got. And we do have such good talent, so I would love that to be displayed uh, and on full show come the season. Okay, Kimberly, thank you so much for your contribution this morning and to you, Mark, those opinions about uh, that young Russian girl. Very, very uh, interesting indeed. We'll see what plays out there. Uh, We'll have another panel at uh, the same time uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, yeah, Kimberly Downs there and Mark Hinton. We'll be back shortly. ENZ. 10.48, a number of uh, texts come in about your favourite Chiefs. Dale from Matamata. Go the mighty Chiefs, says Liam Messam. John O'Gibbs, Sedevini Sivavatu and Stephen Donald. Beaver's getting a few, uh, including Paddy from Christchurch. Liam Messam, Beaver. Uh, SBW, uh, Sedevini Sivavatu. Uh, Chris has come in with uh, Sione Luwaki, Lilia Masanga, what a player, uh, Sivivatu and Liam Messam. Um, an interesting one uh, from Ken. Ken's always got a great opinion. Uh, Messam, Tim Nanai Williams, uh, Damian McKenzie and Michael Leach. There's a couple of, of new names to add to the fold. Uh, and uh, an interesting text coming in regarding the young Russian uh, drug cheat, as uh, I guess you have to uh, say at this point. Is there evidence she was forced to do it? If not, she is as responsible as everyone else, regardless of the age. All I'll say to that, Simon, is that uh, you see them on the ice. It's, it's the only time you ever see them alone. As soon as they're on, before they go on the ice, they're uh, surrounded by older people, influenced people. Uh, when they're off the ice, the first thing they do is hand them those things to cover the blades on their skates and sit right next to them on the podium as well. I, I think they're very, very little downtime 
at the age of 15 in a Russian sporting environment to make up your own mind. That's all I'll say about that. 10.49 here on SENZ. Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Louis Herman Watt joins us as usual. And unfortunately, uh, what happens in racing every now and then, probably once a year, um, uh, people will start voicing their opinions about use of the whip. And this, uh, uh, Louis, has been prompted by uh, Mark Todd, of course, uh, and his old treatment of a horse well publicised over in the UK. Uh, uh, And yet I I sense racing has been making moves in in this area. Yep. Yep, they certainly have, and I think that's probably inevitable, although some people will be rolling their eyes at me. I think it's probably inevitable we'll get to a point at some stage in the maybe not-so-distant future that the use of the whip, the jockeys will carry a whip. But I'm just tending to kind of take caution with how things progress and how things kind of tend to work in sports, Smithy. You kind of know what's going to happen with this sort of progressive stuff, don't you? I mean, they're not going to, not going to, we're not going to, let the racing industry wane and suffer and completely stop because we can't use the whip. I think we know which way it'll go eventually, but it's finding that middle ground in the meantime because some people truly don't feel comfortable with not, you know, this is a pretty divisive topic. So, and I'm not out there on the front line. Jockeys obviously need to carry whips for safety purposes. Do we need to restrict and slowly start to taper back how much you're using the whip? I'm not necessarily sure. I'm probably not the best person qualified to speak on that. But I tell you what, what Mark Todd, Sir Mark Todd did was disgraceful. Saying it's an isolated incident, sure. Do people believe that? Well, that's up to you. I don't, personally, because why would you just do that in the one-off? So that's disgraceful. Let's just all admit that. Uh, Do I think he's a terrible person? Don't know. Probably not. But he had a terrible moment. It was caught on camera, and it's a a real shame, Smithy, because he is a sir, and he's a legend in New Zealand sport. But I don't know. What did you make of it? Well, I make of it this. Uh, Really speaking, do we believe that was the first time he ever did it and someone just happened to take a photo of the first That's time right. he'd ever done it? No, no. I, I mean, that is probably um, a hardcore um, way, uh, not right either, not right, not, not at all right way that they've been doing that for horses. It's obviously to deter a horse balking at a water jump and to encourage it to take on the water jump. That's why you're standing behind it and punishing the horse because it wasn't prepared to. It was terrible. That is not on. No. It's, it's absolutely a- terrible, and I totally agree with that. A- and that's it, Smithy. And, and we, if, we, if we get a jockey out there um, using the whip excessively at the barriers or whatever, or blatantly, you know, uh, turning the jock, the whip around, using the whip handle, something like that, it gets called out, and as it should. The last thing we want to do is make it acceptable and, and turn to blow out of the stuff because it's just the tolerance for it, as you know, with everything in sport and life, is slowly shrinking up and, and good, I say. So interesting topic, and it will, um, it'll continue to spiral away. On, on a very positive note, though, Lisa all pressed back in the saddle. I think Friday at Awapuni after some injuries, so beautiful. Good sign. Great stuff. She's yep. a she's a le- she's a legend, and, and the jockey ranks are better to have her out this one. Absolutely right. Uh, well done, uh, Louis. Thanks for that. BP Brendan Popperwell is with us. Uh, I'm sure you you're over the, uh, the whipping and the, the use of the whip, uh, BP. It's always been slightly contentious, but it's it's pretty closely monitored and punished, isn't it? It is. It's very much so punished. And I guess the other angle that punters like to take from it is is when will we see a horse? get relegated uh, in the closing stages. So often we see horses 
uh, that uh, are urged to the line and a jockey is punished, when will it be that we see maybe a relegation? And uh, we haven't seen that yet. Uh, and I almost think we're almost waiting to see that happen. And that will be the line in the sand. Uh, just around some sporting games, of course, the White Ferns are about to start very shortly. Uh, the Indian women have won the toss. They are batting. They're 285 India. They've just drifted. New Zealand White Ferns, $1.37. Real strong for support for them in the last half an hour. They've gone from 144 to 137. Money around Susie Bates to be top run scorer and also Sophie Devine. But if the Indian woman can get some runs on the board, and of course with their spinners on effectively a day three pitch, it could be a good game to watch. BP, thank you very much. Timing absolutely perfect. Coming up to 11 o'clock here on SENZ. And uh, it's time for news with... This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 11.02 here in New Zealand. Uh, back yesterday still uh, in America. Uh, and what a famous day it was too, particularly in Inglewood, California, uh, where the SoFi Stadium... Around about $5 billion worth was on show. So were the LA Rams up against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. And joining us now, I'm really pleased to say, uh, is MJ Hurley, who is a reporter on behalf of the LA Rams, but for Sports Illustrated. So first of all, uh, MJ, uh, just tell us uh, about the occasion and really did it, uh, did it all come off the way you wanted? First of all, Ian, thank you for having me. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be here. It was quite a Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, like you said, $5 billion SoFi Stadium. For the second year in a row, uh, the Super Bowl was hosted by one of the teams playing in the game. Last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Don't get me started there. Um, but uh, this year, it was the LA Rams playing in their shiny new stadium. And they showed up. They showed out. It was an amazing game, an amazing halftime show. Uh, that had at least everybody here buzzing. So, honestly, I, it's, I've watched a lot of Super Bowls now, and it was by far the best all-around Super Bowl that I've probably seen in my lifetime. When you include the halftime show, when you include the commercials and the game, it was an amazing three hours. MJ, um, can I ask you, did you go? And if you did go, were you in the media centre? And what does a media centre look like in a $5 billion stadium? So unfortunately, I was not able to go. Um, we sent somebody else uh, to cover the game for SI, um, but I did all the all the virtual stuff, and uh, it is a crazy show in terms of covering during the game. Um, pretty much, they're they're incre they're an incredible amount of press boxes at SoFi. I mean, the stadium is massive. There are so many levels. Um, so depending on the level of your organization. You get you know closer or further away from the field. Uh, a lot of people had their own individual little rooms because of COVID. Um, but you know the press gets taken care of very well. And then after the game, there are about twenty-five different individually little setup podiums where guys like Joe Burrow, uh, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, um, pretty much everybody that anyone in the media would want to talk to. Both uh, Sean, uh, Zach Taylor, and Sean McVay talked. Um, mm -hmm. So you've got an incredible amount of places for the media to get access to these guys in person and virtually. So I was able to talk to some of them virtually. Uh, my friend Nick was uh, there representing SI in person, but it, it was quite the day. And especially in when you've got Los Angeles putting out the Super Bowl, there's nothing more extravagant than you can get here in the U.S. It was uh, an amazing spectacle. Uh, I mean, as you say, it's the game you wanted to see because 
uh, up until the last drive, really. Uh, it was up for grabs. Uh, and, and Stafford, who uh, I think it's fair to say, um, Matthew Stafford didn't perhaps have his most clinical game in, in terms of accuracy. Uh, when it mattered, he found it. Yes, he, he had two interceptions. One of them wasn't so much his fault uh, through a, a tad of an errant pass down the middle to Ben Skraniak, who it bounced off his hands, um, and Bengals picked that one off. And then he had, he, had, he had just a bad throw down the sideline that Jesse Bates picked him off in the end zone. Um, that was just kind of a, an errant heave. But other than that, Matthew Stafford was pretty good. They just couldn't run the football for the majority of the game, which is what a lot of the Rams' offense is centered off of. Um, so I've been saying all year, when the Rams struggle to run the football, they struggle to win football games. Um, thankfully, their defense did so well that they were able to give Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay time to get back into a rhythm. They were able to get that rhythm on the last drive with Cooper Cup that you were talking about uh, that eventually put them over the top. But man, Matthew Stafford and that offense did struggle for about 50 minutes. So uh, we we hear Cooper Cup won, uh, was MVP, was M, uh, NFL uh, offensive fo- uh, footballer or player of the year as well. But if you're a, a big guy, if you're a solidly big guy and you pride yourself on uh, defense um, or, or you know, uh, the ability to, to sack people, uh, Aaron Donald was simply outstanding and, and particularly never better illustrated than the very last two plays of the game. So in Aaron Donald, he was, he was my pick for Super Bowl MVP. I knew Cooper Cup would get it. Because he had the game-winning touchdown, uh, you know his numbers on paper looked "quote unquote" better than Aaron Donald's. But it's really hard, and especially if you don't watch football often, uh, even for casual football fans, it's really hard to understand the impact Aaron Donald has. And the best way to describe that is multiple times on the last drive for the Cincinnati Bengals, up until that last play, they triple-teamed Aaron Donald. So they have five offensive linemen, and three of them were dedicated to stopping Aaron Donald. They would rather let somebody go completely untouched, running straight at their franchise quarterback, Joe Burrow, than let Aaron Donald have a chance to even against two guys. So that was the mistake they made on the last play. On fourth and one, they didn't triple-team Aaron Donald. They didn't even double-team him. And he just blew right through the Bengals' offensive line, got to Joe Burrow. But, I mean, the impact he has, even if he doesn't, come anywhere near Joe Burrow he opens up so many opportunities and that's why the Rams were able to have seven sacks Von Miller and Leonard Floyd both had two Ernest Jones had another one so he just makes so many opportunities and he is just a a hulk of a human being he if you ever see him in person he is just jacked and I'm six foot three I'm a bigger dude and he still makes me feel small (laughs) MJ uh, Hurley we're talking to um who's a a writer for the LA Rams, but for Sports Illustrated, and the, the Rams are his specialty subject. Uh, uh, it was uh, it was really uh, interesting to watch to uh, the, the contest between the two young quarterbacks. Uh, and I'm not sure that Joe Burrow lost too much, did he? He didn't win the Super Bowl, but uh, he he didn't lose too much in his performance. He took them close. Yeah, Joe Burrow had a very good game. Um, one of the things I one of the things I would like to highlight about both quarterbacks is both uh, both QBs played through an injury in about the last ten minutes. Matthew Stafford really badly tweaked his ankle. He'll be okay. He won't need surgery or anything. Um, but it's the type of ankle sprain that if there was a game next week, he would have 
been very limited in practice all week, and there would have been questions. Joe Burrow probably sprained his MCL, which is one of the major, major ligaments in your knee, uh, towards the end of the game. And he went down screaming in pain, refused medical attention. So, I mean, Joe Burrow, for a second-year quarterback, um, he was extremely impressive. Was a little bit rattled at first when the Rams got off to a big start, came back quickly. Uh, his defense kept him in it a lot in the second and third quarter, had a great start to the third quarter, uh, you know, fired off 10 points after the halftime show. Eminem uh, De definitely gave him a little bit of a uh, little bit of a pep talk there. So, you know, Joe Burrow was very impressive. Uh, and a lot of people are saying, you know, he's it's only his second year. He will be back. And that's true. He'll probably make it back at some point. But a lot of people said that about Aaron Rodgers when he got to a Super Bowl early in Green Bay. Joe Burrow just has so much competition in that AFC with guys like Mahomes, Herbert, uh, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. It's going to be tough for Burrow to get back. So it's disappointing um, to see a young, very likable guy not get a Super Bowl ring. But again, like you said, Ian, since I cover the LA Rams, a little bit biased, very happy to see them uh, come away with the victory there. On that basis then, uh, MJ Hurley, I'm just wondering about the future for OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. He had a large influence in the game, particularly early on, left the field due to injury, was not able to return speculation that might be his last appearance for the Rams. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Maybe you have some information on it. So it is all but confirmed that Odell did tear his ACL, and it's the same ACL in his right knee um, that he tore in November of 2020, also against the Bengals. So some weird, unfortunate luck there. Um, Ian, it's, it's just never good when a receiver who's in his eighth year tears an, AC, an ACL in the same knee for the second time. Modern medicine is doing a lot of things. And there were actually a lot of guys in the Super Bowl, like Von Miller for the Rams, who have torn their ACLs and have come back. But it's a lot harder to tear your ACL twice um, and come back the same type of player. So my guess is, I haven't heard anything specifically, um, but my guess is that Odell probably has played his last snap for the Rams. He got his Super Bowl ring. Like you said, he was the guy early on in this game. He was one of the reasons him leaving with injury uh, was one of the biggest reasons that the Rams did struggle in the second and third quarters that it kind of adapt their offensive plan because one of their stars was out. So I know that Sean McVay loved having Odell in LA. So, you know, maybe for comfort's sake, maybe to rehab with where he was at the end of the season, uh, he might sign a really cheap deal with LA with the understanding mm -hmm. he might not get a lot of time when he comes back next year. But you know, there's also the fact that Odell is such a talented player. It's going to be really hard for somebody not to give him just a little bit of money on the off chance that when he does come back, he looks even like 75% of his former self. Uh, MJ, a lot of uh, people show a lot of interest in this country, I, I can assure you. I, I went and watched it uh, with some mates, and then uh, we chat about it afterwards. And uh, we, we just wonder how it is possible defensively to let a guy like Cooper Cup get that much freedom in one drive. Uh, and one player be so influential in one drive takes part, uh, you know quarterback accuracy, of course. But uh, we're just scratching our heads because if they were going to win the game, it was going to be Cooper Cup. What well, you're you're very correct, Ian, and that's you know. So there's two things here. Number one, Eli Apple um, was the guy that kind of got burned 
by Cooper Cup, especially on that last touchdown throw. He was supposed to be covering um, Odell Beckham throughout the entire game because Odell, and you saw it at the beginning, Odell was supposed to be the guy. He got changed onto Cooper Cup, and all I have to say about Cooper Cup is he is easily one of the top three route runners in the NFL. So he's just so good at changing speed, changing direction. Even if you think you know where he's going, it's really hard. The other part is, especially when you get down to the goal line, the Rams are so good, uh, and Sean McVay's offensive scheme is so good at figuring out what type of coverage the Bengals were in um, and just dissecting it from there. So they move Cooper Cup all over the formation. Uh, if you start him on the right, Sean McVay and Stafford don't like what they see, they're going to move him to the left and try to get a look that they like. They're going to run you know, some, some little screens, some little picks, some little crossing action, and what the Rams are able to do, like you said, Ian, everybody knew on that last drive, it's Cooper Cup or bust. And he still, you know, gave us 50 yards and a receiving touchdown on that last drive. So that gives a lot of credit to Matthew Stafford, like you said, for his accuracy, his ability to find Cup when everyone knew where he was going. Uh, but it also has a lot to do with, you know, how good Cooper Cup is and how much Sean McVay put him in really good positions to succeed. And just finally, MJ, uh, this is... Uh, a monumental uh, victory for Sean McVay. He's the youngest in history now. Uh, and so that is uh, quite substantial in itself. And I would imagine he's guaranteed his future for quite some time uh, for the Rams organization. I would imagine so. You know, there were some reports that I didn't really buy into right before the Super Bowl that if Sean McVay wins the Super Bowl, uh, he's about to get married to his longtime girlfriend, that he might go. Uh, you know, start a family, maybe work in TV for a little bit like John Gruden did um, in the early 2000s. I, I really don't think so. When you watch Sean McVay talk about football, uh, there is just a passion and a fire in his eyes that I, I find it hard to believe he would be able to sustain that passion and excitement in, you know, a broadcasting booth, broadcasting for Fox Sports. Could it happen? Maybe. Uh, but I have to imagine as long as Sean McVay at this point in time, wants to be in Los Angeles. I think Stan uh, and the ownership group are going to want to keep that guy around, and they definitely should. MJ Hurley, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you prior to uh, Super Bowl and post-Super Bowl with your reflections on it. Um, I'm glad that you got to enjoy it uh, as a Rams fan and a Rams writer, and it makes writing, I, I guess, a little bit more pleasant a job. But uh, thank you for your insight. It's been wonderful. Uh, and, and Absolutely. Uh, love to talk to you again. I'd love to talk to you again next year, and I look forward to next year as well, uh, even when um, we've only just finished this year. Fantastic. Sounds good. Thank you, Ian. Have a good day. Yeah, cheers. Same to you. Uh, MJ Hurley there, and they'll still be in celebration mode for quite some time. I guess there'll be a, a parade around Hollywood or around the streets of Inglewood, at least where the home stadium is. And, man, uh, John Day, some spectacle. And I really I had to stick to the football because I was not that big on the old hip-hop. Um, <laughs> but I, I did like this. I did like the set. I did like the set. Yeah. I mean, you'd find it, if you'd find it strange if a 64-year-old bloke like myself was huge on hip-hop. I would, because that was all my music from my university days, so 20 years ago. And if I saw you down at the Bowler or Guardies or something down in Dunedin with me dancing to that hip-hop music 20 years ago, Smithy, I would be worried. Well, I've been to the Gardens and the Bowler, and I did dance out of the Guardies one night, but I wasn't dancing hip-hop, I'll tell you that. And I was getting a bit of help to get out. Uh, but we'll just move on from there. It's 11.17 here on SENZ. We'll be back with some of your texts, and then uh, it'll be quiz time around about 11.30. SENZ.
Do you want to win $5,000? Yes, you do. Of course you do. We all do. That's why we're registering for the Reese Super Rugby Fan of the Year competition now at SENZ forward stroke Fan of the Year, all in small letters. Register by February the 17th, not too far away to secure your spot. Now, each round, entrants need only pick one Super Rugby team they believe will win from the six games being played in that round. Lose and you are out of the competition. Win. You stay in the competition. It is as simple as that. So just one team that you think will win their game within that round. If you lose, you're out, and your mate might win it. Uh, we're all in, I can tell you that. And that's how you get involved. S-E-N-Z, forward stroke, fan of the year. And uh, if you win, you remain in the epic running for the $5,000 cash prize. And that is all thanks to our great mates at Reese. Uh, we've got an opportunity for you to come up uh, and win a hundred bucks today. It's a hundred bucks with the TAB vouchers, uh, John. That's coming up very shortly, so get uh, ready to get on the phones there. Yeah, uh, some texts that have come in, uh, uh, some interesting ones too. Uh, and uh, non-Chiefs fan Matt, John O'Gibbs, Liam Messam, Brody Retallick, Damien McKenzie. Uh, I know that's three fairly recent players. Although Messam goes back a wee way, but the Chiefs' best years have been their recent ones. Really, they won twice. Mm. It's been that. Uh, it's been quite a while since they won too. Yeah, to be perfectly honest. 2012, 2013, uh, yeah. they won two titles. When have they been in finals recently? They, they couldn't even make the final of Super Rugby Trans Tasman. You know? No. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you, Matt. But um, you might have just gone a little bit too recent for uh, uh, one of mine, at least. Anyway. Uh, here's an interesting perspective from Clayton. Clayton says, uh, why don't we take away uh, Mark Todd's New Zealand titles? No place for him. Hmm, interesting. Uh, uh, might be a little bit heavy-handed, to be fair. Uh, I think he knows he's done wrong. Um, uh, I'm not sure we can take Sir Mark Todd away because um, he gave a, a horse a hiding, or can we? Uh, maybe there are people out there who say, to hell with it, yes. Horses are animals, same as human beings. You beat up a human, you'd lose your title. You beat up a horse for no particular reason, you lose your title. That, that I know, is uh, certainly um, the aspect some people take, John. Yeah. How many Olympics? Was it eight? Seven or eight Olympics? And I know it was uh, horrible and he, he's been apologetic. I don't think you strip titles for it. You just hope that it brings about change once and for all with what he does and the people who he, um, who learn off Ma- Sir Mark Todd. I'm sure he's got a lot of people in his stable, Smithy, and he's uh, regarded as a guy who um, you know knows how to breed a horse, knows how to get a horse jumping, um, but now we'll have to change his ways and hopefully we'll bring change to an industry which probably needs it, Smithy, but I don't think we need to strip him of his titles. Uh, that would be heavy-handed like he was heavy-handed with that horse. <laughs> He was very heavy-handed, but he's on he's on watch, isn't he? Uh, he's very much on watch. Even you know a guy of that stature within the, the equestrian side of things, he's also a noted horse trainer as well uh, for thoroughbred horses. Uh, he'll certainly be on watch, and he'll be very very careful, I would think, going forward. Otherwise, something will happen. Uh, Brian's come in on a couple of matters. Brian on the issue of uh, quarterbacks is Mark Staff- uh, Mark Stafford. He plays for us. Uh, Matt Stafford. Uh, might be young in terms of quarterback ranks, but at 34, he's hardly a young man. Well, that's true. He's had a history with uh, Detroit, and that, that is not a very good winning history either. Uh, but, yeah, he was able uh, to get the L.A. Rams up yesterday, uh, but he's still pretty young compared to Tom Brady. He's got, what, 10 years on him. 
Um, Pete comes in with, uh, they had some great players, you know, the Chiefs over the years. When you go into a, a scenario like this, you find out how, just how deep they go. Uh, Marty Holler, yes. Uh, Roger Randall, yes. Hicker Elliott, mm. uh, Tanaro Latimer, yes. So there you go, there's four from Pete. I think that's uh, pretty good for us. Well, Brian's come back and says, Smithy, Russian cheating, China's human rights, COVID, IOC, Ping. There's no surprises that the three most corrupt organisations in the world are up to their eyeballs in this. Follow the money. They're just giving the middle finger to all of us. Interesting perspective, that one. Uh, and to hear uh, the views this morning, uh, very strong views of Mark Hinton, uh, too, and Kimberly Downs. Uh, they're not alone. Uh, everyone's uh, looking along those lines. Yeah, that um, comment from Mark Hinton, especially about how the IOC have replaced FIFA as the most corrupt organisation, sporting organisation on the planet, really hit home for me. Because uh, it's not a good look, is it? I mean, it's just crazy that Russia are there and they continue to come up with these positive doping tests. And yet the IOC almost seems like they turn a blind eye. And the whole Peng Shui thing that you spoke about the other day when she was in the background um, when China won that gold medal, it's just uh, IOC, it is absolutely toothless. And at the end of the day, Smithy, we want fair sport on at the Olympics, at winter and summer, or else it turns you off like it turned me off Tour de France when I just knew there were drug cheats everywhere. If I just know that there's drug cheats everywhere at the Olympics, why would I watch? Well... You hope, don't you? You hope. I mean, you hope and pray that, that the ones that you admire so much you'll never hear of apart from in their uh, particular events. Uh, and that, that is the issue you worry about. You know, there was a long time there I was worried, so worried um, about um, Lance Armstrong and that came to fruition. But I wanted to believe, I really wanted to believe that Lance was as good as his record suggested that he was. But of course, he wasn't. Um, and then I really started to worry about Usain Bolt, you know. Yeah. I thought, how can one guy, how can one guy be so superior in this age of great sprinters? One guy be literally meters ahead of the other guys when they're all so damn quick anyway. And I thought, no, please no. And thank God, no, thank God, no on that particular one. So, but that did make me nervous for quite. I some think they time, do a different say. doping program in Jamaica, Smithy. Yeah, they might, uh, and it works. And I should have had some of it. Uh, 11.29. 11.29 here on SENZ. Uh, and it's time to stump Smithy. So get on the line. Uh, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811 is the phone number. $100 from the TAB up for grabs this morning. Together with those treasured sleep drops. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. The phones are going ballistic on a Tuesday. Everyone wants a piece of that 100 bucks from the TAB, which we are giving away, because yesterday Smithy stumped someone off the last delivery, which means today is a jackpot day, and also those sleep drops up for grabs. Daytime Revive, they are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Craig from Tauranga, a beautiful spot in New Zealand for summer. How's it going, Craig? Yeah, it's going good. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Did you manage to dodge the storm at the weekend and get some good weather, or what happened there? Oh no, we had a bit of bit of wind and and bit of rain, but um, yeah, nothing nothing we couldn't cope with. Exactly, exactly, mate. All right. So, how are you feeling today about winning this quiz and getting the hundred bucks from the TAB and some sleep drops? Well, it's going to depend on the on the um, topics that you, you you give me. To be honest, 
Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. All right. So your topics are Super Bowl, Winter Olympics, or combat sports. Very niche, Craig. So no cricket or rugby or anything like that. We're going niche today. So which one of those yeah, do you no, like? I wanted, I wanted supercars. <laughs> oh, supercars. Uh, yeah, let, let's go with Winter Olympics. Winter Olympics, why not? And um, I think Murph and McIver are back this week, so you'll get your fill of supercars uh, when they come back on air. I think it's Thursday nights uh, with race control, so you'll get your fill there, and who knows, maybe supercars will pop up in the quiz later on the week. But right now, Winter Olympics. Question number one. New Zealand are in 20th place on the medal table with our lone gold. Hopefully another gold today. Go Zoe. Which country is currently on top of the table at the Winter Olympics? Geez, that's going to be a guess. Uh, I watched that biathlon and I think two brothers came first and third and they were maybe from Norway, so I'll go Norway. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. What a way to get your innings underway, Craig Smithy. That's impressive. It is Norway. They've got nine gold, five silver, and seven bronze. I was going to go Germany because didn't Germany scoop the pool in the luge or something or the skeleton of that? One of those uh, very, very risky ones. I thought they got four or five. So I was going to go Germany, so I'd lost anyway. Yep, and they are second on the table, so you're both very clued up about your Winter Olympics. This is going to be a good little head-to-head, this one. All right, Craig, question number two. What is the event called when athletes go down headfirst down the luge? Headfirst down the luge, is that the skeleton? Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. You just let it slip as well, Smithy. I did give it a, a bit of a, a slip, I guess. Why do they call it the skeleton? Because that's... You get it wrong when you end up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I find in- interesting, uh, Craig, is the double luge where the guys lie on top of each other and go down. How do you reckon they came up with that one? Yeah, I don't know. That looks pretty cosy, eh? <laughs> Very cosy. And why stop at two? You might as well put three or four on there. But anyway, this is this is for all the prizes for the hundred bucks from the TAB and that's, the sleep that's, drops. That's the man. That's the manly supporter coming out of them. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> yep, me and, Ian, me and Ian Roberts in the double luge wouldn't mind oh, it. Oh, no, I didn't say oh, that. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, question number three. Let's get back on track, Craig. <laughs> Who are the reigning men's Olympic ice hockey champions? Oh. There's a couple that come to mind. Um... The reigning men's ice hockey champion. Uh, um, it's going to be a guess. Uh, I'm going to go with Canada. One of the worst things oh. I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not a bad guess. They're pretty oh. good at hockey, uh, but not correct. So you won't get the sleep drops, but you can still get the 100 bucks if Smithy gets this wrong. Smithy, up to you. Right, OK. I, I'm going to say, in a cryptic sort of way, I don't think they're competing this time around. Right? in a cryptic sort of a way. I'm going to say they're not allowed to compete as uh, what they were then, Russia. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Oh, back-to-back day, stumping's off the last ball, Craig. Unlucky, mate, you'll be leaving with nothing, and it'll be 150 bucks on the line tomorrow. You have been stumped by Smithy. Too good, too good. Well done, Smithy.
Oh, uh, well, I just, uh, I just thought there'd be something a little bit obscure about it, you know. Um, they can't, obviously, they're the R- Russian Olympic Committee team this time around. But uh, anyway, hey, Craig, uh, I think you're desperately unlucky there, mate. It was an out-and-out guess. So uh, thank you for taking part, and I uh, hope you have a good remainder of the day. And get back in tomorrow with a bit of luck. You'll be first, and you can uh, have a crack uh, at $150 worth, John, 150 Have a great day, Craig. Thank you. Thanks for taking part. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Uh, okay, right. Uh, we've got uh, some uh, more texts coming in. I'll just get through a couple of these before we go to the break, John. Uh, Smithy, for me, I'd love to see, uh, regarding Super Rugby, if we actually get to watch any, that is, Will Jordan at 15 for the Crusaders, Rico at 11 for the Blues, and the biggie is Geordie Barrett at 13 for the Canes. That's from Dean. That's an interesting one. Old Dino coming in there. Um, here's one. Messam, Retallick, Cruden, the key to the title wins, probably Ad Latimer. Uh, that's from Guy Lennox. Uh, are we ever going to do the, the four greatest players that ever played for Wanganui? Do you think we'll ever have time to fit that into our show, John? Oh, it'd just be Guy Lennox, wouldn't it? All four. Well, I think it, well, it, it, that's what he's angling for, I'm sure. Angling for, angling for some sort of inclusion there. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I suppose, yeah, we, we'd probably put him in the, uh, the top 50 anyway, but... Uh, here's a go. Uh, thanks very much for coming in, Guy. Thank you very much for that. I uh, hope you've uh, backed a couple of winners or owned a couple of winners lately. And uh, thanks for listening to the show. We'll be back very shortly uh, with Mount Rushmore here on SENZ. You're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. <laughs> I think it's fair to say there was a totally different version of the Star Spangled Banner played at uh, Inglewood yesterday for the Super Bowl, um, but Jimi Hendrix would have done a good job too if uh, he would have been there and been alive, I'm sure. Uh, so we've got today our top four most influential Chiefs, the guys that have played in the Chiefs jersey who we believe um, perhaps has uh, influenced the fortunes of the Chief, but been um, inspirational in, in that regard. So uh John uh, Day, I'll start today, if you like, number four. All right. Uh, and I'll start with a, a bloke who, uh, for me, played 68 games, sweated leadership, um, a flanker or a lock, so he's versatile there, uh, often regarded because of uh, the locking position that he was too short for the All Blacks, but you know he would have given every everything if he had a long All Black career. Uh, and he also, of course, remember he led the New Zealand Maori side to a famous victory, a very famous victory, over the British Lions at Waikato Stadium. My number four. Let it go, let it go. Bates fires it straight behind him, and an attempt at drop kick is over. I think it was a skipper. Yeah, Jono Gibbs stabbed it low and hard. I tell you what, it was almost a one-pointer. <laughs> and he could drop kick as well, Smithy. 33 points. 33 points, six tries, and a drop goal for John O'Gibbs in his career. He's my number four. Yeah, and fair enough, man. The mana, the mana. We're going to say the word mana, I think, a million times during this segment, and he is right up there. Great selection. Uh, for me, it all started with this guy. This guy bought the mana to the Chiefs when he turned up in 2012. Didn't play for them, but boy, did he coach them. What we call Chiefs mana, which is, um, uh, I guess we're giving giving this fella legs. The boys call him Jeff the Māori, and... 
Um, so they put legs on them and it's about what we're about in regard to being family and about earning respect and about earning the right to play through the way we train and, and so on. And so I think a lot of those elements have gone a long way to creating the sort of culture that we want here and we've got our senior players driving it really well. Boy, did he create a culture, Dave Rennie, when he turned up in 2012 and the little Chiefs emblem he's talking about there, Jeff the Mouldy. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool just to get a little insight into what was behind what they were playing for and just the, what drove that team uh, to a couple of titles in 2012-2013. Wayne Smith behind him, of course, then Smithy, but Dave Rennie for me uh, had have to be on my Mount Rushmore for Chiefs. And, uh, John too. Uh, what a great, what a great bloke, uh, Dave Rennie is. Terrific guy to have a beer with. I promise you. Uh, my number three, my number three, ninety-five games, ninety-five games so far for the Chiefs, and I'll add so far because I wouldn't say he's finished with them, uh, but he ain't playing for them at the moment uh, until going to Suntory this year. Uh, he has stayed faithful, and I wonder how many times his phone's rung or his agent's phone has rung this bloke to change away from the Chiefs and uh, perhaps even go north, just a little way up State Highway 1. I wonder how often that happened. Played 10 or 15, uh, and he's one of those guys that when he gets the ball with just an inkling of space, you sit forward on your seat. Blues defence has been good, it's been disciplined, but the offload is a good one. Jacobson! Jacobson away! Just taking it by the ankles, they're close to the line! Chance for the Chiefs! Dahori Orangi! McKenzie! He scores! Oh, what a try! What a finish! The Chiefs have got it! Look at the celebrations from the Chiefs! They stay composed, McKenzie! He could have passed, but he backed Boys. himself. I think that shows that the pass was okay. McKenzie, I thought he had to shift that, the numbers outside, but he's just a little pocket rocket. Bounce, bounce, and over he goes. Oh, man, how good. D-Mac, that's all I'll say, D-Mac. Yeah, D-Mac, impossible to replace. Absolutely, just so important to that Chiefs team, and that's why I'm interested to watch them this year. How do they go about replacing D-Mac? Uh, my guy... Uh, who I've got third on my Mount Rushmore for most influential Chiefs. Didn't play too many games for them, only 28. But as soon as he arrived, he certainly made an impact and he scored for them in their final when they beat the Sharks to win their first ever title. Now they get it wide, Williams! And Sonny Bill, Off he goes. under the post he goes. <laughs> Have you ever seen that before in this boat? Turn it up, wow! American football, they do it. That's Jerry Maguire stuff. Green Bay Packers do it. <laughs> Sonny Bill Williams can do it. Well, the dream has come through for the 25,000 because I think if they pick the number to score in the last minute, have the last say, it'll be him. Yep, Sonny Bill Williams, well called from you and Nisbo and Marshy jumping into the crowd. Uh, he had that super. He brought that superstar uh, mentality, I think, to the Chiefs when they were that team who always kind of lost in the playoffs. And oh, we gave it a good go and we played razzle dazzle. But he took them to the next level. He was a winner with the Bulldogs. Uh, ran away from them. He was a winner with the Canterbury NPC team. Didn't fit in with the Crusaders, but boy, did he fit in with the Chiefs. So for me, Sonny Bill Williams is on my Mount Rushmore of Chiefs. Absolutely, uh, I don't argue with that one either. And he did bring a dimension that ignited them and ignited that stadium there in Hamilton. Right, uh, my number two, two seasons for the Hurricanes. Staffy will be pleased, Palmerston North boy. Uh, six seasons for the Chiefs, a centurion for the Chiefs. 100 games, one of the great playmakers, 
talk about a pocket battleship and a 10, uh, this guy emphasised guts. Uh, he would have been, what, 75 kilos ringing wet? Aaron Cruden, just an absolutely sensational player who uh, never said die and never missed the turn, or never shied away from tackling much, much bigger blokes. 828 points in all. He's my number two. Kia ora, guys. Aaron Cruden here. And it's Wellness Wednesday, and it's very simple today from me. Dedicate 30 minutes to yourself. That's all. Find out whatever it is, whether it's reading a book, doing some crosswords, whatever your guilty pleasure, please find the time to dedicate that to yourself today. Well, Brian couldn't find a highlight of Aaron Cruden, so we got him just saying how to live your life, Smithy, how to be a bit more like Aaron Cruden. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, a lot of people have modelled themselves on Aaron Cruden. Did he fight back from adversity uh, and become the great rugby player that he has been? So I don't mind that. I I don't mind him at number two. Uh, I didn't have to think too long and hard there. What about you, JD? Yeah, well, this is my number one talking about my number two um, because I think, yeah, for me, it all changed in 2012. So I've got Rennie, I've got SBW and another guy also started his career. My number one is Liam Messam and this is him talking about my number two. Brody Vitalik actually, um, his first, this is back in 2012, um, Tom Coventry at the time, I don't know if he'd done it on purpose, but he got the the last year's team forward pack to train against the, the new guys coming in and we're doing live morning and like I said it was, it was physical it was full on um, we just ended up having a big punch up and uh, big Brody, young Brody at the time he was like 19 whatever sloppy he is um, just full 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 punch up and he's in there like yeah. not taking a backward step and yeah. I was just like that that's mean because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Brody Retallick 2012 as a 19 year old punching up with Liam Messam at training and that impressed the skip so Brody Retallick for me number two on my uh, Chiefs Mount Rushmore and Liam Messam number one and I'm guessing Smithy that Liam Messam's also your number one could not not be could not not be 37 years of age currently 181 games for the Chiefs the the epitome of loyal leadership um you said it, John, mana, respect, uh, everything that uh, you want out of a leader, uh, he's got it in uh, massive, massive quantities. Started back in 2006. Can you believe that? 2006. That's wow. a hell of a long time ago. So he went through a lot of pain before he had a lot of joy. Uh, but when it comes to the Chiefs and Waikato in particular, it seems his telephone is never off, never off. His phone uh, always he answers for them. Yep, absolutely he does. He is he is Mr. Chiefs. He he probably deserves you know when they do Mount Rushmore, it's all the same size. His his face probably deserves to be a bit bigger, I'd say, than the other four, uh, the other three up there. Just uh, amazingly and messing timeless. Yep, absolutely timeless. Uh, we're running out of time too. Speaking of that, uh, we'll take a short break, and when we come back, just enough to catch up with Staffy before his show starts at midday. <laughs> 